Hey y'all, I'm Robin, and I am pleased to welcome you to another episode of Torpid Liver and Other Symptoms of Poor Communication. In this episode, we're going to talk about the value of employee listening programs, and I really want to talk about dispelling fears that some people have about measuring their communication programs because they're afraid of what they might find out, which to me is absolutely crazy, but um, but we'll get into that in just a minute. So let's get started. Before we get further into the topic, I want to give a quick shout out to a very nice young woman I met today who is a member of my professional association, the International Association of Business Communicators. And she and I are a member of the same chapter in Dallas, Texas. I won't give her name in case she doesn't want to be mentioned, but um, she was actually the inspiration for today's podcast. She was interviewing me for a speaking engagement that I'll be having with the chapter very soon. And uh, in the course of the conversation, we started talking about employee listening programs and that's how we got to this episode. So you know who you are because I think you're going to listen to this podcast pretty soon. So thank you for the inspiration. Okay, let's get started. Let me ask you all a question. Have you ever known someone who would not do something that was good for themselves because they were afraid of what they might find out as a result? And let me give you an example. Many years ago, I worked with a really intelligent person um, many companies ago, and she was afraid to go have her annual physical with her doctor because she was afraid of what she might find out. And she wasn't kidding around when she told me that. She was serious. And I thought, wow, so you won't go get preventive care that might, you know, pick up on an anomaly or some other problem that you may have that you don't even know you have yet. And you could catch it at a stage where it's much more treatable or really it's nothing. Maybe you've got an ache or a pain and you're worried about it but you go get it checked out and it turns out you just got a back spasm. You know, you don't have some growth or whatever. I just thought that was fascinating. And this is somebody who's really, really intelligent, but that just shows you the nature of fear, which I have talked about many times in other podcasts. Um, The other thing she said, which I totally relate to, not only because I'm female, and I think this tends to be the case more with females, but I know men who are like this too. She didn't want the doctor to tell her she needed to lose weight, which again, I was like, okay, I get it because some doctors are really hard about that. And even if you're five pounds overweight, they'll harp on you about it. Or if they think you're underweight, they'll give you a hard time about it, whatever it is. Um, And she didn't want to hear that. And I was like, well, if you already know or think you need to lose weight, you already know this. You just don't want somebody else pointing out what might be obvious to you. And I just, anyway, you see where I'm headed with this. So when I think about uh, employee listening programs, I am not afraid of learning something um, that, that tells me that whatever communication I've been working on is not working optimally and getting the results we want. I would rather find that out on a periodic basis so that I can make it better. Or if I'm working with a leader or on behalf of a client, let's say, I can tweak the approach and provide better counsel based on what I'm learning. 
So it's really to your benefit to want to be involved in employee listening programs on a regular basis. Um, The other benefit of employee listening programs is that when you are trying to be that trusted advisor to whoever it is you're advising, if, for example, that person wants to um, and is very forcefully telling you, I want to communicate this thing this way, and in your heart as a communication professional, you know that's wrong and it's going to fail. Having an employee listening program gives you data and analytics to back up your recommendations. It also gives you those analytics so that when that person insists and you cave in, because sometimes you will, and then the program or the communication fails, you have the data to go back and say, here, look at the data. Nobody listened to your podcast. Nobody watched your video. Nobody opened your message. Uh, And in fact, we got negative feedback from the audience on what you communicated. So can we try it my way now? Here's what I'd like to propose. So there really is a lot of power in having data and analytics. And why wouldn't you have that in communication? Other professions use data and analytics. It is the way of the world now. Every other segment of business that I can think of relies on data and analytics to make good decisions. So why wouldn't you do that for communication? Now, I focus on employee communication. And so to me, um, learning sentiment and getting feedback from employees, not only on what they told you, but why they're telling you that and learning more behind the answers they gave you is really, really important. So let's talk about that next. Let's talk about different ways that you can get behind the actual statement or the the general data because the data is one thing but there's always a story behind the data so let's talk about that all right so i was going to talk about the meaning and the sentiment behind some of the more obvious data points that you get but i just realized it would be helpful to talk about the suite of employee listening tools and methods that you can employ because you to do this really well, it's helpful to have a number of those things. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. It's my podcast. I can do that. So bear with me. All right. Um, Now I, as I've said many times, I work primarily on the employee side of the house. That's where I've spent um, the bulk of my communication career. And um, if you work for any major organization, you probably have access to technology tools and platforms um, through various vendors. And there are a number of wonderful vendors around the world um, who can help you track your communication and give you um, good analysis about what those numbers mean. So for example, Um, You're not only tracking who is opening your digital communication in whatever form it takes, whether it's an email, uh, whether it's a digital publication, things like that, but you can also track where the readers are going. So if an employee is clicking through on certain links, you can track that to see which topics are of the most interest to them or what they care about most of the time. You can even track, depending on the tools you have, you can track how long they spend there. 
So for example, you could find out that an employee has clicked through to one of your other internal sites or they've clicked to an external site. But us being distracted humans that we are, they might click there and then, you know, spin off of there in 30 seconds. Or they might spend a lot of time there because the topic really interests them. And that's where you really get out what they're paying attention to and what they're not. Now, that doesn't mean that you should stop communicating about the other things. What that means is, and what you can take from the, from the, the analysis is, if they're not paying attention to a topic you really need them to pay attention to, then you've got to change your approach. It's not that you stop communicating because they don't care. You haven't communicated in a way or given them a reason to care. So that means you go back and tweak. And that, that speaks to what I was talking about before. Employee listening isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. It doesn't mean that you have failed. It means that it gives you feedback to help you improve your communication. It also gives you ammunition, if you will, to talk with the leaders or the other people you're communicating on behalf of to say, I know you wanted this approach and I said okay, but here's the data to show that that's not working and why. So that's really important. Um, the other thing that's really important is, is having a suite of things. So, so having access to a nice technology tool is great, but maybe you don't have that. But even if you do, it's really important to do some other things that are very human in nature. Old school surveys really work and they're really helpful as long as you're asking the questions in a way that will give you meaningful responses. Now, I could spend a whole lot of time talking about that, but you know, you can go look at your friend Google or any search engine that you use and you can look up best practices in employee listening uh, programs or best practices in uh, employee engagement survey questions and you will see consistent themes from reputable sources and they're providing the information for free so you can see not only what they recommend you ask but you'll get a sense of why they're telling you to ask questions in a certain way because you will get more meaningful data and responses from your audience when you do that so that's important too the other method that I think is very important is in addition to a survey in which people will give you feedback on multiple choice or open-ended questions, and I love open-ended feedback because you can glean a lot from that. It's tedious because you got to go through it, but you, you can gain good things from that. I think it's really important to do face-to-face -face focus groups because what employees tell you in a survey is one thing. But when you can get in front of them uh, now with the pandemic, that means doing a virtual focus group right now. But hey, everybody's on Zoom or WebEx or Teams or whatever they're using to have their, their calls. Um, it's really important to do that because then you can probe in a way that you can't in a survey. If somebody gives you an open-ended answer in a survey, that's great. And if several people give you similar responses, then you can begin to see a trend but you can't ask questions beyond that. And sometimes you wanna know, well, why are so many people saying that? Like you wanna ask them, well, tell me more, right? If you can do a virtual focus group or an in-person focus group, you can ask the same kinds of questions, but then you can say, okay, well, that's an interesting response, John. Tell me more about that. And that's where you get to the really good stuff. And, and let me, let me try to give you a good example of that. 
sometimes you may have worked really hard on a detailed communication initiative. And if you test it and focus group it ahead of time and you get some critical feedback, it doesn't mean that the initiative that you put together sucks. Or maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe it really does suck. But, but it probably doesn't. What it means is there's some element that needs to be tweaked in order for it to be more effective, right? So that's why doing a virtual focus group is really important because then you get the sentiment behind what they said. I'll give you another example. Sometimes when an organization is making a major change, and it could be in any area of the company, but it's a change that gets under the skin of its employees for whatever reason, it is helpful to be able to probe for more information because in the absence of asking that additional, those additional questions, you can make up assumptions in your own mind about why that employee is either riled up or very vocal about a change. Sometimes if you have the opportunity to ask the question, it not only diffuses whatever tension is going on with that person, but you also get at what's really going on. And maybe it's not that the corporate change or initiative is really that problematic, but there's some element of it that needs to be communicated more effectively or needs to be tweaked so that your audience, in this case employees, understand it better. So that's why I'm such a believer in employee listening programs because they they just give you so much more to work with and here's the here's the big bottom line and I think I've said this in other podcasts this is how you demonstrate your value this is how you demonstrate the bottom line if you're a communication professional when you can demonstrate that your work is legitimately engaging people not everybody because you never will but if you are legitimately engaging people in your company's business or in, you know, your client's business or, you know, your nonprofit's cause, wherever it is you focus, now you've just demonstrated a measurable, tangible value add. And you're showing people this is how much communication matters, right? So don't be afraid of instituting employee listening programs. Now, the thing I recommend is if you say work for a nonprofit or you don't have a large budget and you don't have the capability or the staff or the tools to do any of the things I asked for, again, I could do a whole other podcast on this. Go do some research. Go look at what some of the best consulting firms and some of the best companies and even some of the major communication platform vendors because many of those vendors provide a lot of really good and valuable information. Um, now, of course, they're promoting their platforms and that's understandable, but they provide you a lot of good information about what you're looking for, how to engage people, how to reach your audience, and all of that is free. And, and, and they're putting it out there for you to take a look at. So you should, um, because you'll learn a lot. Um, and then when the time comes that maybe you do have a budget and you're ready to invest in something like that, you will have also learned more about those vendors as well. But there's a wealth of information. But do your homework. Don't just randomly you know, find the first thing that sounds cool to you. Do your research. Look at a lot of different information sources because if you do that, you will see common threads among some of the best, and that will tell you, hey, that's probably a solid point in terms of something I should do 
when I have little budget, but I need to, I need to start some kind of employee listing program. Okay, one last point that is really, really important because, um, because I can't cover it all in a podcast. <laughs> I'd like to, but it would take forever. Um, but this part is really important. If you're going to engage in any kind of employee listening program, whether it's just you're just starting out or whether it's a really robust program, it's critically important that you follow up with the people who took the time to give you feedback. Typically what's going to happen is um, you're going to get a mix of feedback. If you're lucky, you're going to get a lot of positive feedback. But even in those cases, you're still going to get some constructive criticism. You might even get some really negative stuff. Sometimes, by the way, um, when you do employee listing programs, employees are going to tell you exactly what they think and not necessarily about what you ask them about. In the absence of them having another channel, they're going to use your employee listing opportunity to tell you something else, right? And you need to pay attention to that because even if that's not part of your listening program, if an employee is seriously venting about something, they felt like they didn't have any other way to get that message through either to communications or human resources or the senior leadership in your organization. So when you get those, you need to... um, let the employee know if they've identified themselves that you're going to pass along the feedback anonymously so they feel protected. If the channel or the employee listening method that you're using is anonymous to begin with, then you still need to pass on that feedback to somebody who needs to hear it, either the leader of a division, your CEO, whatever it is, because it's important enough and you want to do right by people, even if they're never mentioned by name, you want to try to pass on that feedback. As for your other feedback, you want to let people know that you heard them and that you cared enough to do something about it. So um, this can be as simple as in your own employee, whatever channel you use, whether you have a digital publication, email, whatever, um, your intranet, um, video, whatever, you can give them a brief message saying, Hey, remember that survey we conducted, you know, two months ago? We just wanted to say thank you to the, you know, 3,000 of you who took the time to give us feedback. We really appreciate that. Here's some of the things you told us that you like. We kind of tell them about that. And so we're going to keep doing those things because you, you really appreciate that. Here's some areas where you told us we could do better or the company could do better, whatever. And you list a few of those and you list some of the common themes Um, but you're listing the ones you can actually do something about, right? Somebody's going to rant about something or a lot of people are going to rant about something because they just don't like it, but you may not have the ability to change it. So you need to list two or three things that you said, we heard this and we could do a better job here. Um, Or we know that so-and-so or this division could do a better job. We passed along your feedback. They heard it and here's how they're going to change or here's how we're going to change. As a result of your feedback, we're making these changes. Now what that does, especially for people who tend to be cynical in your organization, is they see that their words and their, their, um, their feedback mattered and you took it to heart and you did something about it. So you know what that does? For people who tend to be cynical and negative, you're not gonna change all of them, but you will change a few of them and that's enough. If you change five people's minds about something because you took the time to listen and do something with the feedback, 
you're going to have more people who are evangelists for your communication program in general. And those people can do more for you than any formal program that you may put on. Because informal feedback from employee to employee saying, hey, did you see, did you take that survey? Yeah, I took that survey. Did you see, did you see the feedback? They, they're going to do something about X, Y, and Z because of what we said. That makes people look at your organization differently. And if you've already got a good reputation, it makes it even better and people trust you even more. And that trust, which I've talked about in previous podcasts, is critically important. So if you're going to have an employee listening program, then you need to take the time to let people know that you heard them and you're going to take action based on some of their feedback. So don't forget that because that's going to help you have a more successful program. Okay, so let's wrap up this episode with where we started, the fear thing, which is, of course, the prominent theme in many of my podcasts. Do not be afraid of getting feedback on your communication program. It's through that feedback that you're going to become more trusted, more effective, and sharper in whatever it is you do. You're also going to get feedback that will help you as a communication leader and a trusted advisor when you're working with people that you are creating communication for, right? Whether you're like me inside a company where you're doing employee listening or you have a client and you're handling employee comms for that client. Don't be afraid of that. And let me throw out this point because it's something that you should think about. And, and I don't think this is true in every case, but I believe it's true in many cases. If you are that afraid of getting the feedback then somewhere down inside your gut, you already know that your communication program is probably weak or not as effective as it could be. Or maybe you're just ticking a box. Maybe you're not trying to be strategic. Maybe you don't care. You know, but if you care, you know, I care about my work. And if you care and you want to demonstrate how you add value to the bottom line for your client or your company, then you need to be doing the listening. Now, in addition to, you know, going and doing searches online for good, reputable information, talk to other communication colleagues and professionals that you admire, um, those who maybe work for organizations you admire, and find out what they recommend, find out what they do. And you may get some really great ideas um, that cost you nothing or that you can start with and then build on, Right. So, but don't miss the opportunity to become better at what you do. I want that feedback. I want to, I want to be known in my organization as somebody who knows what she's doing. And when I was on the consulting side, I wanted the same thing. I wanted the people I was consulting with to know that I understood what I was doing and that that feedback would be useful in improving how we communicate and how we add value to an organization's bottom line. And that is the bottom line. So keep that in mind. Um, And if anything, let the fear propel you to becoming more effective and taking that first step to getting a program started. I hope this has been a useful episode for you. I always enjoy talking about different communication topics. Um, And I, one other reminder, um, obviously you picked up this podcast wherever you normally get your podcasts. I also have a website where the podcasts are archives. And it's, of course, torpidliver.com. If you ever have a question that you'd like me to address in a podcast, or if you'd like me to respond to you directly, there's a 
a chat or comment box at the bottom right of the website. So click on that and send me a message and I promise I will respond to you in a timely manner and maybe your topic will be featured on my next podcast. So again, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you.